my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully, you guys are having a fantastic week. Uh, great show for you today. I was joined by my friend, Chloe Anagnos. It's always a great time talking to Chloe. Um, a little bit of a depressing podcast today. <laughs> Not a lot of uh, good news to report. We talked about uh, uh, the supply chain struggles we're seeing right now. We're talking about inflation and rising prices and all manner of economic disaster being brought upon us by the Democrats and what we have to do to dig ourselves out. Uh, but I think you guys will enjoy it. Before I get to Chloe, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at No Gimmicks Pod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right. Without further ado, the great Chloe and Agnos. All right, guys, we're here with my friend Chloe and Agnos. Chloe, how have you been? I'm good. How are you, Brady? I'm doing great. And I had not, we just talked about this before we started recording. I didn't realize you haven't been on the show in like a year. I thought it had been maybe a few months, but that's just I know. Crazy. That's weird. That's weird. It's so what weird. A, what a worse world we're living in now than a year ago. <laughs> it's like across yeah. the board uh, for all the principles that, that people like you and I fight for. We've been taking some serious L's since the last time you've been on the podcast. I will say that. We've taken a lot of L's, and I'm excited to get into them today with you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And we're going to get into all of it. uh, But first, before we jump into the political news of the day, um, uh, first tell us about the Beyond Homeless initiative that you're working on right now in the Bay Area. Yeah, so this is a really important cause, not only in the San Francisco Bay Area, area because of course as most of your listeners and most Americans probably know the bay area is riddled with homelessness addiction poverty um and and a lot of hopelessness in the folks that are unfortunately finding themselves in these situations so i am working on a project to um really educate individuals to educate policymakers um and you know just future advocates for folks who are homeless about fixing the root causes first uh, before we try to put people who are experiencing homelessness in homes. So um, this is an initiative that is going to take a lot of time. Um, Change like this at the most basic level doesn't happen overnight. Um, But myself, um, a think tank based out in California, and then a couple of um, for-profit and nonprofit businesses and charities are coming together to push this initiative forward so that we can find hope for those in the Bay Area. So part of it is a documentary um, that will be released later this year, maybe early 2022. Um, We're working on building up our social media pages um, and there's a white paper that we're going to put out um, over at the Independent Institute in Oakland, California, that talks about why the housing first narrative that so many people talk about when it comes to folks who are homeless, it just doesn't work. Um, and so I'm really excited about this project because poverty, homelessness, addiction, um, 
Fortunately, I have had family members who've experienced all three of those things. And so this is just a very um, important project for the time that we're living in. And as I have more information, I hope that my Twitter followers, friends, um, your listeners, I mean, really anybody else uh, gets involved with us. Yeah, absolutely. I encourage everybody to check it out. And I was I was going through the, the website this morning and um, a wild statistic um, that you guys have and, and a really brutal statistic for for the, the progressives that run a lot of these major cities, including San Francisco, um, that since 2012, there's been a 132 percent increase in spending uh, going towards the homelessness crisis. And during that same time period, there's been a 52 percent increase in homelessness. So it's like obviously spending the, you know, the government taxing and spending is doing absolutely nothing. If anything, they're hurting the situation. Um, whatever these progressive leaders are doing is not working. And you know, it's good that people are looking for other alternatives. They're looking for other alternatives. And this is another statistic that's just absolutely wild, but each tent. So in the city of San Francisco, there is a, I think the local government has this um, safe sleeping site set up. Each tent cost $61,000 if you break down the budget of what the city of San Francisco is spending in terms of homelessness. So $61,000 per tent is absolutely ridiculous. Um, And I think it just really goes to show that when you just throw taxpayer money on an issue, it doesn't matter if it's homelessness, addiction, welfare, education, it's not going to fix it. And so that's one of the big things that we're, we're working towards in this initiative. That's great. That's great. I encourage everybody. What, what's the website just for so everybody can check it out? Beyondhomeless.org. And I will have more to share as uh, we get rolling. But it's been a really big work in progress for me for the last year. Um, and like I said, it's just very near and dear to my heart. And I'm hoping that um, more people will get involved. And it's not just the Bay Area, but I mean, homelessness affects all major cities and even smaller towns across the U.S. Um, this is a huge problem. And the coronavirus and all of those lockdowns have really pushed it forward. If we talk about mental health, um, suicide rates and addiction rates that were rising and still are rising because of these lockdowns. Um, and so it's a very complex issue, but at the same time, I think when you get individuals who are concerned, it doesn't matter what party you're a part of. It doesn't matter if you work in the nonprofit or for-profit sphere, it affects everyone. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be tweeting out updates as they come as well. Um, so everybody make sure to check out the site and, and get involved if you can. Um, so Chloe, you were going to be on the podcast on Monday. <laughs> I was, I was, I was supposed to. <laughs> you had a, a flight home canceled uh, due to the Southwest Airlines pilot strike. Obviously annoying for you and a lot of other people. But, I mean, I love that we're starting to see stuff like this. And I, I think that this could spark bigger protests um, in, in other industries. Um, I, I, I don't want to over—I talk about this a little bit on, on Monday, but— this could potentially be an Atlas starting to shrug type moment, you know, <laughs> you know, a year, a year and a half too late, obviously. But I, I definitely think this could spark something big. I think it can. And for for context, I was supposed to leave Washington, D.C. Sunday afternoon. That morning I woke up. I got an email that said that my flight had been canceled. And I was like, oh, that's really strange. I'm, I'm a preferred like member with Southwest. I've never had an issue like this before. Um, I had to try to rebook on Delta. That wasn't going to get me home in time. And then had to get on a, a United flight um, at 10 o'clock at night that fortunately was direct to Indianapolis so I could get home. But 
I was stuck in DC for about eight, nine hours. Granted, I have a ton of friends in the area, so I, you know, wasn't lonely and had something to do for a while, but that wasn't the case for a lot of Americans stuck in airports across the country. Um, but I totally agree with you as annoying as it was. And it was a huge, it was an inconvenience for me, a bigger inconvenience, I'm sure for a lot of other folks, but I do appreciate the, stick it to the man attitude, even though the airline and the media doesn't seem to want to say that the Southwest sick out was an actual thing. They're blaming it more on weather. They're blaming it on um, air traffic control. And I just don't think a lot of that is true. And I'm not sure why the media won't report on it. I mean, Delta is a much larger company than Southwest. They have more flights daily in the United States than Southwest. Southwest canceled uh, something like 1,800 flights, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, United canceled three. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> if anybody looked at uh, the weather map on Sunday, there wasn't a dr- there wasn't a cloud in the sky from one coast to the other. <laughs> so, no, and no, and that's and that's what annoys me. It's like, hey, if there is really this, if this is what's going on, you need to tell the truth. And I don't feel like anyone wants to tell the truth in this matter. Um, but I've been seeing a lot on Twitter saying like, no, this was a sick out, even though I think the the union, there's a union that's trying to sue. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I haven't followed up um, exactly with the news since then, but it's like, hey, this, this was pretty major. I just, I need people to realize how quickly something like this could escalate. Um, I mean, our, obviously we've talked, endlessly about the supply chain issues we're seeing, and they are getting worse. I mean, we're, we're looking at food shortages. Yes. The White House came out and said yesterday that there's going to be a lot of stuff that people can't get um, for Christmas this year um, due to supply chain disruptions. There's a lot of hurt coming um, to a lot of people as a direct result of the Democrats' policies. But let's say you add in, say, a strike from the Teamsters. <laughs> <laughs> let's just say, you know, right. maybe, let's say 10%, 10%. Of truckers strike over vaccine mandates, and if you know truckers, and I know a lot of them, I, I don't. I don't say that. I don't think that's very unlikely. Um, you could see the entire economy come to a screeching halt. I mean, if even a small percentage of truck drivers said no way and walked off the job or, or, or strike for a week or something like that, we're coming up on Christmas. Grocery stores are empty. Let's say a bunch of Teamsters don't want to get the jab. Oof. I mean, we could see, and obviously I think this is necessary. This is necessary to beat back the the tyranny of the government. But man, I mean, we could see, if you think, if you think going to Kroger and Meyer and Walmart right now, the shelves are scarce. My goodness. If you see, say something like, you know, the Teamsters do what, what these, this pilot union is doing, man. I mean, you could see the economy collapse. I feel, and I don't want to use the term collapse because I think that's a little too dramatic, but I feel like our economy is in motion to collapse. One of the big issues that I'm having in with my work right now is that publishers, um, and this is just a, a, a book issue, but I mean, look at all of the other like consumable goods that are out there in, in our country. Um, printers are backed up six yeah. to 12 weeks, they're backed up. So if you're trying to look for a new title of a book, if you're just wanting to reprint something, you're a publishing house, it's not going to happen. Um, and there are cargo containers that I guess are just cannot be filled when, if, you know, we're trying to get a lot of books from China, which is where a lot of these printing presses are. Because, you know, if you think about the holidays, I give a lot of books for Christmas. Um, and, 
it's going to be very hard to get books right now through the holidays. Um, and there's a couple projects that I'm working on where a release date for a book, it's getting pushed into 2022 because there's no one is available to print. There's just such a huge shortage right now. Labor, um, production, I mean, everything it's pretty bad. So a lot of, um, my Christmas shopping, I have, I just kind of do it year round if I'm out and about and I see something that, you know, my mom or sister would like, I'll pick it up. Um, but if you have not done any Christmas shopping yet, I think people just need to do it now or just give straight cash for Christmas because I don't think we're going to have any hot ticket items like TVs, um, certain toys. I know are going to be really hard to get if you have kids. So, this is going to, and you know, presents aren't just the reason for the season, but at the same time, if you look at small businesses, they talk about how Q4 in that, you know, Black Friday to a couple days after Christmas, like that is their bread and butter. We're going to have a lot of small to medium sized businesses that are just going to continue to suffer because of this. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't understand how dependent on Q4 numbers these smaller businesses are and major businesses too. I mean, they, sure, a lot yeah. of industries, they're making, you know, uh, maybe a third of their annual profit in like a month, <laughs> you know, during Q4. And I mean, if they can't stock their shelves, I mean, you're going to, I mean, you think of all the businesses that have gone under in the last two years due to government tyranny. Um, imagine the, the, the businesses that won't be able to keep the doors open if they can't keep their shelves stocked. Well, and if you even, you know, just in sales in general, most places, like let's say you're a boutique or some type of mom and, mom and pop, you, I mean, sales are just dead in the first quarter. And then they pick up in the second quarter. And then, like you said, they really make the majority of their profit in the fourth quarter. I'm, I'm just very, very nervous. And I wish more people would understand that, um, you know, these are scary times that we're living in. They really are. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, in terms of Christmas shopping, and depending how my hunting season goes the next couple of months, my friends and family might be getting a lot of meat. Yeah, seriously, yeah. <laughs> hope you like duck, ladies. I and hope <laughs> I hope you like duck. Well, and here's another thing too. Like, I'm not a I'm not against going to thrift stores or half price books. I, I talk about publishing because I, I do a lot of it um, and, and have worked in publications for a long time. But I'm not against going to half price books and finding, you know, older titles to give yeah. as gifts, because I think we're really going to have to depend on our neighbors and our communities and Facebook marketplace if we really want to find stuff um, to give as gifts. Um, and I think it just kind of echoes what we did during quarantine. You know, if you can't get certain types of food, you know, hopefully your neighbor has chickens. Yeah. Right. And you can get eggs there. So it's like we're just kind of reverting back to, you know, post industrial era and just bargaining with neighbors. And maybe that's a good thing because we get to know our neighbors a little bit more and we get to rely on each other. But at the same time, it's 2021, almost 2022. And we have very sophisticated systems with right. our supply chain. Yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that I can definitely see a scenario where economies in 2021 and 2022 are localized to the point to, to a degree we haven't seen in a hundred years. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's as global as the world is as global as, as economies are. If you, if these supply chain issues persist, I mean, it, we're going to revert back to like, you know, early, early 1900s, very concentrated localized economies to keep people going. And I think, like I said, I think some of it could be a good thing just because, you know, you, I love supporting small businesses, um, you know, in the 
Midwest, we've got a lot of farmers, a lot of folks who have fresh eggs, they make their own honey and that's all great. And, you know, you can go on, uh, on like a Saturday to the farmer's market and get what you want. But at the same time, when Kroger can't even keep bread on the shelves, that, that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to onto some more bad news. <laughs> more bad news. <laughs> Yay. More bad news. <laughs> so, you know, for the last year, the Democrats and, and the Fed have, have been telling us that it, uh, the inflation that we're seeing isn't that bad, that it's transitory. Obviously, anybody with a prefrontal cortex <laughs> knew <laughs> that that was a lie. <laughs> but the government is, is, is they're forced to, they're, they're starting to admit it. Uh, inflation over the last year is up 5.4%. That's a 13-year high. Um, that number is actually probably a little low, lower than reality. Um and in the last year, just look at some of these average price numbers. I mean, this is some, I, I knew it was bad. And obviously I'm feeling it. I'm sure you and your family's feeling it too every time you go to the grocery store. But some of these numbers are just wild. Over the last year, the price of gas is up 42%. The price of used cars is up 24%. Bacon, 19%. Beef, 18%. Hotel rooms, 18%. Eggs, 13%. TVs, 13%. The list goes on. I mean, the poor and, and, and the middle class are absolutely getting hammered right now. We're all feeling it. I'm definitely feeling it. And the same people who pretend to care uh, about the working man are absolutely destroying the working class with one of the most sinister forms of taxation, meaning inflation. Yes. And, you know, what's funny is that I look at, at this list that you sent me and I have anecdotes for the price of everything. Um, my grandpa on my dad's side is 92 years old. We just sold his car. Well, my dad sold his car. It was a used a used Jeep. It had like maybe 50,000 miles on it. He bought it, I think he bought it for $20,000, like six years ago maybe. They sold it for 21000 Oh my goodness. Can you believe that? It's a, granted, he only drove it, you know, from his house to church and uptown and, you know, to our family businesses and whatnot. So it was still in really good shape. But can you believe that, um, or no, excuse me. He bought it, I think, for twenty-one. Sold it for twenty. So he only lost a thousand dollars on it. But that's a five to six-year-old car. That's, that's crazy. insane. That's crazy. It is insane. And I know you and I were talking a little bit um, before the show about the price of beef, pork, eggs. I'm not buying as much meat as I used to. I'm buying more beans. I'm buying, you know, eggs when I can. Granted, they're still more expensive. Um, but I just can't justify those beef prices or those chicken prices. I, I can't do it. So I've been finding ways to, you know, make, um, you know, if I make like meatballs or something, I, I add breadcrumbs and other things to stretch it out a little bit more, but I think we're starting to see, and I'd be curious if you have any listeners who have done this, um, but we're reverting back to great depression practices, stretching out meat, not buying as much, um, you know, at the grocery store, maybe having your own garden if you can, yeah. uh, because it, we just cannot justify a lot of these prices. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, just as a, a fisherman and hunter, um, it, it, you're seeing like across the country record numbers of people buying fishing and hunting licenses. I mean, just people are, are getting involved with that, with the, with the hunting and fishing community at record rates in the last couple of years. So, and which I, I think is great. I mean, it, it's a great big country, plenty of stuff to kill and eat, <laughs> but I think oh, yeah, that, of course, do but it. I, that, that's just a reflection of what we're seeing price wise. I think, and I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I have to do this a little bit during every, you're used to it. You've been on the show a bunch of times, but I have to get super partisan <laughs> for just a second. It's like what 
some these numbers are just ridiculous, right? <laughs> like uh, yeah, yeah. The, it's the price insane. of gas is, is you know up up forty two percent in one year, you know, and and Biden his approval rating is in the low forties. It's something around forty three percent, I think, on the Real Clear Politics average. I, I think if the midterms were today, the GOP would wreck the Democrats. Um, but I mean, there's still a lot of time for the press to to run cover. Um, just side note, by the way, yesterday Nancy Pelosi said the quiet part out loud again. Uh, a journalist, I forget who, asked her, um, you know, why she hasn't gotten the the 3.5 trillion dollar commie bill passed yet, and and Pelosi. She said, she said it was the press's fault because the press hasn't been working hard enough to sell it to the American people. Which oh, is my hilarious. gosh. It's just a hilarious response. I mean, she's being honest. I mean, she didn't misspeak. She just told the truth for once. But right. I have to. It's like you got to think. And the average voter is just not that bright. I understand that. But I have to think. Look, I mean, looking at what we are looking at economically right now, that people have to start realizing that voting for leftists is voting against their own interests. I mean, it's like the, what we're seeing right now economically is a direct result of big government. It's a direct result of the policies of the Democratic Party. I have to understand that once people start seeing it at Kroger and Walmart and Myers, they're going to start, you know what, maybe maybe I've taken a couple wrong turns along the way. I don't know. What do you think? I think that's very true. And um, I think a lot of folks who are more center right have put this out a couple times on the internet and it's so hilarious, but it's a line that says I could go for a dollar 79 gas and some mean tweets right about now. (laughs) And I, and I think it's very true. I mean, you look at how president Trump lost and I think a lot of it had to do with coronavirus. People were very upset but you look at what we gained and in the first, what, year, two, two years of Biden's presidency, um, what year are we in? I don't even remember. How long has he been president? Almost two years, something like that. No, it's, We've, it, it was January. It, January. Oh, my gosh. Just January. Oh, my gosh. He's I'm done, so silly. He's, he's done a Why lot. Why do I think that it's. Because he's, he's done a it lot feels of like damage. It's longer. I know. It feels like it's so much longer. But look at. Oh my gosh! I can't believe I said that. That's no, so. No, it's crazy. I know. I I, I had crazy. the same thought the other day. It's like this man, this administration has done several years worth of damage <laughs> in, in just in like ten, 10 months. months. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at the Afghanistan debacle. I think oh that gosh. really got a lot of people very upset. I mean, as it should. It was absolutely horrendous, and it's still going on. There's and of still course, thousands. There's, there's thousands, still thousands of, of citizens stranded and green card holders stranded, and it's just gone. It's gone from the and press. And it's gone. And it's like people don't even care. And then you look at these policies and you look at inflation and you look at the war on the poor and how we're making everything, you know, we, I mean, Democrats are making everything so much more expensive, but yet they scream that the 1% needs to pay their fair share, which is total BS most of the time anyway, because we know how, we know how economics works. Um, But I mean, this is, it's a war on, the middle class, it's a war on poor people and the Democrats claim to champion them. And it's just not true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, Jeff Bezos can afford the, the higher gas prices. <laughs> like it's not the the whole talk about taxing the rich and, and punishing the rich is just laughable. I mean, they, the, the people affected the worst by inflation are, are the poorest people um, in the country. That's been that way forever. Uh, right. I, I do have to say my, my least favorite part and I want to talk about some of these, the the kind of going back to the Southwest stuff and, and vaccine mandates. My least favorite part of our current political discourse, it just drives me up a wall, 
is this phenomenon where a lot of people who, who I typically would agree with on a lot of things, a lot of you know libertarians and, and conservatives, how they pretend that they don't understand reality. It's like <laughs> I have to assume that these people are being dishonest. And uh, in, in particular, a, a couple governors, both Abbott down in Texas, DeSantis down in Florida, have banned vaccine mandates. They're saying employers can't fire people for disobeying Joe Biden. right? And, and right. a lot of libertarians are all butthurt about this. And, well, you know, the, the left says, oh, well, what about, you know, property rights and these businesses can do what they want? Well, it would, obviously, when a leftist says something like that, they don't even believe in property rights. Obviously, they're not making a good faith argument. But a lot of libertarians even are butthurt about this. And they're all, oh, but they're private businesses. They can do whatever they want. Like, one, I have a couple rebuttals to that ridiculous line. One, no, they're not. They're not private businesses. In case, in the case of Southwest and these other airlines, they're on the government take. I mean, the federal government subsidizes everything they do. And also, these private companies did not cook up the idea of firing all their unvaccinated workers, okay? That was not their plan. That does not no. benefit them. That is not their idea. They were bullied into it by Joe Biden. They're being yes. coerced by the Democrats. They're being coerced by the federal government. I don't view these, these companies as private anymore. Because for, for all intents and purposes, they're not. They're an arm of the Democratic Party. And I'm glad to see these governors telling Democrats to kick rocks. So where, where are you on all this? I completely agree with you. And I think Joe Biden's executive order or whatever it was that said that, you know, everyone, I think it's what, every company that has more than 100 employees 100. has yep. 100. Um, it's it's not private business anymore when the federal government is coming in and telling you how you can or cannot run your business or how, or what policies you must enforce. You're completely spot on. And I think DeSantis um, and, you know, other governors banning these vaccine mandates have done a really good job. But what's crazy to me is that, and and this goes farther beyond, um, you know, COVID-19 and how people feel about vaccines and shots and whatnot in general, but it's like, how come the federal government isn't mandating that people with office jobs work out an hour a day Yeah. or implement, OK, you must have a standing desk. Obviously, COVID is scary and it is real. And I know people who've gotten very sick and who unfortunately have died. But when you look at the number of people who die, Americans specifically every year of heart disease, diabetes, um, you know, all these other illnesses that are just a strain on our healthcare system, on our insurance system. Why isn't the federal government actually pushing something that's going to save even more Americans? It's not just this vaccine. That's fine if you get it. But what if you're o- obese and you get the vaccine and then you have a breakthrough case of COVID? Right. Oh, I mean, you're not you're not you're putting a Band-Aid on the flesh wound that is the health of Americans and how the government keeps us poor and sick. Um, and that's a whole that's a whole tangent I can go off of in terms of, you know, sugar subsidies and the oh. the, the, food pyramid the food pyramid that yeah. we grew up with that said yeah, you had to pasta, eat pasta, breakfast, lunch and dinner. That's 12 times a day. What in the world? <laughs> that makes no sense anymore. Right. Um, it's it's just silly. And it just all goes back to government overreach and waste and why we all need to get off the grid and own our own little communes and plant our gardens and uh, make sure the government leaves us alone. Like that's the camp I'm in. It's like, just leave me alone, leave everybody else alone. But unfortunately that this administration is just meddling, meddling, meddling. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, 
Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. And I, I, I just, it's so frustrating, the smooth brain, simpleton argument from a lot of these people, a lot of these people who are, you know, claim to be on, on our side of these issues, you know what I mean? And it's like, I mean, because these, these people aren't simpletons, they're pretending. <laughs> it's like they're pretending, yeah. they're, like they're pretending, and like on the conservative side, like a lot of the National Review guys, not all of them, but some of them, and then on the libertarian side, like Reason Magazine, and then all these people, they're just, they're just, they're so mad at, at Greg Abbott for telling people that they can't fire people for not obeying the Democrats, <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, guys, what and it's like this constant throughout the entire pandemic there's been this feeling among a lot of libertarians and a lot of conservatives and uh, that like no hill is the hill to die on right, right. and it's like what like look read the room what individual liberties do you have left like what property rights do you have left? yeah exactly it's like okay if you if you don't stand up to the fascists in the federal government who are saying, if you are not vaccinated, you do not deserve to be employed in the United States of America. Okay, that's what they want. They want every single person who is unvaccinated to be out of a job. If if that's not the hill to die on, what is? Like, if you if we lose this, yeah. what do we have left? Like, what is it going to take for, like, Jonah Goldberg or whoever, or like, whoever the editor-in-chief is at, at Reason? It's like, what is the hill to die on? Like, do they have to come and try to kill you physically? Like, is it, does, like right. does Joe Biden have to come with a SWAT team and shoot your wife? Like, is that like what is it? Like, where is your line? Like, when will you put your foot down? It's so frustrating listening to these people. It's really frustrating, and at the same time, people like you and I, and I think a lot of your listeners and other folks who are very liberty oriented, know and have known that the lockdowns would never work, and that we are just slowly being taken. Um, it's just very slowly and very swiftly at the same time, our civil, civil liberties have been snatched up. Um, you look at, you know, even the airlines, I've been flying a lot this year, even though we're still in a pandemic, the amount of audacity that I see from flight attendants and others who have to force the mask mandate on a plane, like it must be over your nose. You can't even take it off if you're eating or drinking. Like you have to put your mask on in between bites or pull it back up. It's, it's, <laughs> really? it's healthcare. That's yeah. Hilarious. It's here. It's, uh. it's hilarious. But at the same time, I have a cousin who works for Boeing and she told me at the very beginning of all of this is that Boeing has done and probably other airlines, airline manufacturers too, that the way that the air works in a, an airplane and the way that it circulates, and I'm not a scientist, so maybe I'm, I'm butchering some of this, but it's nearly impossible, impossible to get sick on an airplane Yeah. with, with, um, the air and the way that it's filtrated and whatnot. So I think anymore, it's just virtue signaling that, Oh, if you have a mask on, you're being a good person. And, um, you know, if, if you're not, then screw you. Yeah, it's something like all of the air on a plane is filtered every like fifteen or twenty minutes or something. Like it's it's extremely efficient how they they build those filters. Yes, so, and there, I don't even think there's been a like any throughout this entire pandemic any outbreaks of COVID that can be traced to airplanes. I mean, they're they're literally doing this for absolutely no reason. Yeah, yeah, and it and it goes back to my point about how the government is just not promoting the right healthy things like exercise or eating well or, or anything like that. But, um, how come we're not mandating flu shots? How come we're not mandating, um, 
you know, what, what else, what other vaccinations do people get? I'm, I can't even remember, but I only took a flu shot during COVID because one, I was afraid of getting sick, but I typically don't take them before the pandemic. I've never, I had never had one. I never had the flu. I never had any problems. And so now it's, you know, it's just more and more of the government getting into our healthcare. Um, and it's just very scary, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is hope out there for us Americans. I mean, I think we've seen a lot of folks who are standing up like Southwest. We're seeing a lot of passengers, at least if you're on TikTok, of people who tell flight attendants like, hey, you need to back off, Um, especially with kids on planes with masks. The federal mandate is that if you're older than two years old, you must wear a mask. Have you ever tried to put a mask on a toddler or like a piece of clothing on them that they don't want to wear? I mean, these poor, these poor people, I've seen videos and videos of them getting kicked off of planes because they can't get their child to keep a mask on. I mean, what are we becoming? I don't, I don't even know. Joe Biden's America. Joe Biden's America. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible to me that half the country wants this, you know, they, they actually want this. They want the masks mandated. They want, they want all of it. I saw a study yesterday. We were talking about how it's completely ridiculous for airlines to take any measure to combat COVID since nobody on a plane is at any risk at all. <laughs> but right, uh, right. I saw a study yesterday that, that showed that unvaccinated teenagers, not even just children, because we know that children are at statistically zero risk at all, but even unvaccinated teenagers are at le- re- less of a risk of hospitalization or death than a vaccinated person in their 30s. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, teenagers are at no risk. Like, if you're under you know, 20 or so, you're just, you're at absolutely no statistical risk at all. I mean, it's like the, the, the teachers unions pushing for masks in schools and all this stuff. It's just about power. It's just to, to flex their own muscles. I mean, it, there's no science that shows that any of this is necessary regarding children. It's, it's not. And I think even, even then it's like you said, it's people wanting to put their power, quote unquote power over others. And I've seen a lot of videos like that with, um, flight attendants, pilots on planes, kicking people off for no good reason because, oh, they're, you know, their mask was underneath their nose and it slipped and they were asked to adjust it and then it slipped again and then they were told, oh, you're off the flight. You're not flying with us anymore. I mean, to what, to what extent is empathy and compassion going to be put back into our public life, into our public living, Right. Um, I just don't see any empathy anymore. And um, there's this guy on TikTok. I can't remember his name, but in uh, major cities, he'll hold up these cardboard signs that say, um, I love you, even if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated, like I don't care. And people will walk by him wearing masks and they're like, oh, that's terrible. Why, why, <laughs> why are you saying that you love someone, even if they're unvaccinated? I just don't agree. Blah, 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 blah. Oh my and it's gosh. like, that's, it's, we're being put into these groups. It's like you're left or you're right. You're vaccinated or unvaccinated. You, um, I'm trying to think what else you'll march for this protest or you won't march or you'll, you know, you won't post the black square on Instagram or you will. I mean, we're just constantly being divided And I don't know how we can get back to that feeling after 9-11, how terrible it it was, of course, but that feeling of patriotism and camaraderie and helping out your neighbor, regardless of if you're vaccinated or not. I think the only way out, I mean, one is just do what the the Southwest pilots are doing and just don't do not comply with these orders. But uh, it's going to take a massive defeat 
from the Democrats. I mean, they have to be completely wiped out to learn that that the people are not behind them on on this tyranny. And I'm not just talking like the GOP flips the House and the Senate. I mean, we, you know, we'd need like a, you know, the Democrats lose 75 seats in the House. It would have to be like a complete meltdown electorally, lose five governorships, five Senate seats, and 75 houses, you know, something crazy, flip five other, you know, five new state houses, something like that. It would have to be like a, an absolute, like a 2010 just disaster for them to right. shake, you know, wake them up and say, all right, maybe maybe the American people aren't into this communism stuff. Like maybe we Yeah, maybe they're not into thing. this. Yeah, I mean, but it would, like a... a a close victory by the GOP isn't going to cut it. Like it would have to be the Democrats being absolutely just destroyed, wiped out, powerless on the state level. You know, it would have to be, you know, a historic victory um, for these people to back off because they, they, they were bought in. This is all they have. Like COVID mm-hmm. is all they have. And, and the thing is, I, I think that the only reason why Joe Biden's approval rating isn't in the twenties after Afghanistan leaving thousands of Americans to die or be raped uh, or held for ransom by the Taliban. Um, obviously, inflation, um, all, all of this. Like, I think the only thing keeping the Democratic base with them is the, the COVID fear. So all they have is COVID and mask mandates and vaccine mandates because it makes the—if the, you keep the Democratic base scared, they'll keep voting Democrat. So I think right. they're so all in on COVID— that they're not like it's going to take it would have to be a crushing defeat for them to back off. I completely agree. And I think something else that we need to see in the U.S. is this shift of culture from, OK, we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to live like this anymore. And we also need to get to the point where we can have conversations with people who completely disagree with us and still remain friends, um, which is a big problem that I see with older millennials um, and folks and just folks that, you know, maybe are in their late twenties to early thirties, but it's like, Hey, if you don't agree, we can't be friends anymore. And I'm seeing a lot of people who lose friendships over who they voted for in 2016 and in 2020. And if they're vaccinated or not. And you see a lot of it play out online, like on Facebook and and Twitter and Instagram and whatnot. Um, But I, just wish there was some type of cultural shift in the U S to agree to disagree and move on and not try to force things on one another. Absolutely. I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't know if, the, I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. But you are absolutely I, correct. Yeah. And I, I don't know how we have these cultural, cultural shifts towards freedom. Um, but I think what is promising is that Southwest employees are standing up. And I think more people need to understand that, Hey, we, we basically were told by the government and his almighty Lord Fauci that if we got the vaccine, things would quote unquote return to normal. The vaccine has been out for a while. People are getting it or they're not getting it. And I think that COVID is just not going to go away. It's like the flu. It never, it never goes away. It's just going to be something that is in our, our public health type of sphere. And we're just going to have to deal with it. And if you want to get vaccinated, great. If you don't, that's fine. Um, but it's a personal, it's a personal decision and it kind of goes back to the whole, well, my body, my choice (laughs) thing that Democrats like to like to throw around a lot. And it's like, Hey, my body, my choice applies to vaccines and it should apply to property taxes and my labor and the fruits of my labor. Um, 
And, you know, maybe by the midterms people will get it. But at the same time, you know, I'm a little pessimistic. Couldn't have said it better myself. I agree <laughs> with everything you just said. We will see. You know, the uh, the press is still a lot more powerful than, than we all gave them credit for. You know, I think we thought with uh, the whole Donald Trump thing in 2016, we're like, wow, the crazy orange guy, <laughs> like, <one. laughs> you know, despite, you know, all the propaganda from the press, we're like, well, maybe their power is waning. And we realized, no, not really. I mean, they're they're still extraordinarily powerful propagandists and they have a lot of time to swing public opinion. But, you know, right. I, you know, it's it, it, if things get as bad as I as I think you and I think they could economically. That could, that I, I don't think the any amount of if people can't afford to feed their families, there isn't enough propaganda that CNN and the New York Times can put forth that'll change people's minds. You know? Sure. So it's like, oh, yeah. I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope it doesn't take. I, I wish people could just realize their mistakes and change. But you know, maybe they have to feel some pain first. You know. But um. We're out of time. I wish we could do this uh, longer. And it definitely, you got to come back on, Chloe. You're one of my favorite guests. It's been a year. So oh, thank don't, you. don't wait a, well, a year next time. We got to. Well, mean, let's do this once a week. How about that? There we go. <laughs> or every other week. So where can, will love me. where can everybody <laughs> follow you online and keep in touch and all that good stuff? Keep in touch on Twitter, just at Chloe Nagnos, C-H-L-O-E-A-N-A-G-N-O-S. Um, also, Chloe Nagnos at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, uh, pretty much all over the place. And of course you'll, you'll tweet out so folks can follow my handle there. Um, like I said, doing a lot to com- combat homelessness, addiction, poverty in the Bay area, but also in the Midwest too, because that's where I'm based. Um, and just trucking along in terms of writing about government and policy and how we can, uh, hopefully continue to take a stand. Absolutely. Everybody follow Chloe. She's great. That's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Thank you.